we're trying to be more uh more uh valuable in the first 30 seconds of me going live is not valuable just like we are now we're live right now all right we're let's get, get right into it welcome everybody uh make sure you can hear us okay make sure you can see us okay um Important discussions that we need to have as a community, I think, especially those that invest in, in Tesla. And um, the idea behind these forums is to have an open dialogue about the different sides and the different perspectives that people have in respects to uh, Tesla, their investments, the company, Elon Musk and what, what's going on. And this is there's a big contingency. There's a big community out there of people that are very interested in this story. And I think my role in this in this community is to provide a forum for all sides to be heard, discussed and the ideas to flow very freely between each other and debating them in a very respectful manner. That is ultimately, I think, how I can bring the most value as a as a member of this community. And I'm very thankful to have both Borghan and Hans with me today to go through that process. It's not going to be an easy discussion. I mean, I'll tell you that right now, but I, I'm extremely confident that this panel is going to have a very respectful conversation about everything that's going on today. And it's very important for those in the comments, as you can hear my dog barking in the background, I think they agree with me, is that. Uh, it has to be extremely respectful in the comment section as well. And so, for all the all the ones that are that are mods in in the in the in the comment section, uh, if there are any personal attacks, immediate ban. All right. But if there's ideas and thoughts that are being shared, however controversial, not controversial, we need to allow those to come to the forefront. And I encourage everybody to have a discussion on those thoughts. All right. So this is how we figure out what's going on. And this is how we're able to give everybody an, an idea of the whole picture. It's very important to not be just focused on one side. And as a as a content creator, I get everyone's side. So I can tell you, there is a lot of sides, y'all. I get a lot of DMs, okay? And what you think is like the side is not. I'm telling you right now, bro, it's not, okay? So so my role is to make sure we, we have a platform for all of us to discuss how we're feeling, what we're thinking about, and we're going to debate it. You know, in the spirit of free speech and building a, a strong community, we're going to debate them in a very respectful manner. So um, thank you, Borghan. Thank you, Hans, for joining me today. And then so Borghan was actually sharing a thought before we went live. And uh, I, I don't want to give you the give you the stand to start going through that. Um, and then we can just bounce ideas off of that. And, and let's, let's see where the conversation goes. So I'll, I'll hand over the mic to you. Thank you. So kind of, kind of we were we just ended our conversation. We were talking about, uh, you know, if the stock price was up. What would we be saying? You know, if we were sitting at 700, would we be talking about the same issues and nonsense? I, that's my term, by the way, the nonsense that's going on, or we just kind of tolerate it, dismiss it, and accept our $700. So, and I kind of think that we would just kind of accept the $700 and just go our merry way, which is an interesting commentary on us, you know, as a group the shareholders i don't think it's a positive statement but i think it's it's factual um the other thing we were talking about um or one of the other things we were talking about is that elon might not be able to kind of gauge the reaction of the tesla shareholders um and you know apparently he has some type of social disorder so he's not reacting to things the way a typical person would is the way i would put it and that might keep him from kind of understanding the reaction of Tesla shareholders, which certainly is not very positive. And I don't think he has like a best friend, or this is my impression, 
and I may be wrong. I don't think he has a best friend or somebody close enough to him that can tell him you're being an asshole. Stop it. That he would listen to. And I think that's another shortcoming. And I think all those things are, are coming into play at the same time. Okay. Hans, uh, what's going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I've been on probably the side of just feeling like I don't necessarily, a lot of the things that are bothering a lot of people right now are not bothering me. And so I'm maybe somewhat have been dismissive of people who are very frustrated and upset with Elon right now. Um, but then I also, you know, in having conversations with people realize that everyone else is coming from a different place and maybe part of, you know, it's interesting to understand why things are not bothering me the way that they're bothering other people right now, but then also why they're bothering other people the way that they are right now and then validating those things. And so I think for me, I probably have 25, maybe 30, somewhere between 25 and 35% of my overall net worth is just Tesla stock. And that's in a mix of retirement accounts and brokerage accounts. Um, and so while I do expect that to be a much larger percentage of my overall net worth in the future, and I'm I'm actually accumulating now at this lower stock price because I anticipate, you know, when I go back and I think about the bets that I've made in the past, um, I made the mistake when the stock market was tanking in the beginning of COVID of, I, you know, I knew that we were in for a long haul mess. And I thought, okay, because we're going to be in a long haul mess, the stock market is going to continue to get more and more and more depressed. And so I believe in Tesla hundred percent and this may be an opportunity for me to sell now and then in the future to buy back at a lower stock price and accumulate more shares. Well, right after that, the Fed started printing money and the stock market went into V-shaped recovery. And I ended up having a smaller position when I bought back in than I started with. And so this is kind of sitting in the back of my mind right now is like, you know, I don't know. And I certainly, I don't expect a V-shaped recovery in the current macro environment, but I know that I don't ever want to sell shares again when the stock price is lower because I know you know it, it may not be a v-shape we may not be six months it may be five years before the value in the stock market reflects what I believe that the stock is worth but I'm not selling shares and when it's on a discount I'm actually buying um and so that's kind of where my psychology is at uh, but I also know that I can pay all my bills. Like I only invested money that I could afford to lose all of. Um, I don't have any margin. Um, actually I do have a little bit right now in a brokerage account, um, but very, very minimal. So essentially zero margin. And so the consequences for me of the stock price falling precipitously are, you know, pretty low. And I've got enough cash flow right now to start accumulating more and more as the as the price falls. 
And so I'm looking at it as, you know, this is a gift that I can, for whatever reason, whether it's Elon selling or whether it's the macro environment, that I can start buying back the shares that I lost by selling too early at the beginning of COVID and actually finally getting my position to be larger than it was when I initially sold it. Um, and so that's what I'm doing. Now that said, the reason that I can feel comfortable in this place is because I correctly sized my my positions and siloed my risk in the first place. And that was, you know, just a gift that I was able to give myself based on some other, like I come from a background of doing a lot of Dave Ramsey things. We got out of debt early on in our marriage using his principles. And while I don't agree with necessarily all of his investment criteria, a lot of his budgeting and stuff, I 100% am aligned with. And so that helped me to not get overextended and over leveraged. So that's why I feel the way that I do. And now I can put myself in the mindset of someone who maybe your budget, like your cash flow, can't support covering a margin call. You didn't have a proper perspective on debt and what it could do to you. So you got high debt, you can't service a margin call. Um, and Can as I push the price back falls, on you a little bit, Hans? Yeah, Let me push go back for it. a little bit on you, Hans. Yeah, yeah. So, what about the person that says, "Well, I'm extremely well financially positioned, but I feel like Elon's fucking me over because of how he's acting right now." So, how, like, I'm curious, like, what kind mm -hmm. of perspective can you shed from your viewpoint on that? Because I think, I think that, well, that's a my, lot. I would that's just a ask a, right yeah. a question, like, yeah. is it, it seems like, and this is just a guess on my part. If you feel like you're being screwed over because you see your current net asset value, like your net worth is half or, you know, three quarters or a third of what it was a year ago, like, is that the reason that you feel so screwed over is just because it's paper losses. Like if you haven't sold, if you haven't, like if you're in a position where you are financially stable and you haven't had to sell, my question is, okay, if it's still going to be in the same place five or 10 years from now, regardless of where it is today, why does that matter? Okay. Uh, Richard, do you have any any thoughts from your side? Yeah, uh, I was going to yeah. say, I think a lot of it is just that people are uncertain. So they don't know, and that creates fear. And that's what they're dealing with. Uh, they feel mm -hmm. like they have no control over you know, what's going on. Just to qualify, since Hans qualified, so I was thinking, as you were saying, so probably 20, 20 to 25% of my seven figure net worth is in Tesla. Uh, of that, probably two thirds of that I can hold for at least 11 years. And so I'm kind of with that's my, my horizon. And I'm hoping my 20, 25% ends up being 175% of my net worth at, at that point in time. Sure. What can, what, what, what concerned me really is, you know, we, we hear all these concerns like we, cause we've talked about, you know, we've had these sessions. We talked about like using Tesla assets on Twitter. We talked about whether he'd be selling to do Twitter and whether that would be a breach of trust. We talked about this like a month or two ago. And um, 
we were going to let it play out and it's played out it's probably it's not really played out in a way that i would say shines a great light positively on uh elon but my greatest concern is you know our ultimately we need institutional ownership for stability and until we have institutional ownership who are going to be here forever once they're locked in they're going to be here forever if they got a value and they're going to make a ton of money forever they're going to here but we don't have that and the nonsense discourages that because ultimately they have somebody else they have to speak to and let's say you know somebody and i'm sure dan ives is probably in this position he's recommending tesla to his clients let's say a year ago uh now they're coming back to him uh what is he going to say uh you know they got they've gotten slaughtered and that's the old, that's the concern i have is guys like dan ives who i think is a pretty straight guy um fair he was pissed when, when his his com his recent comments it wasn't just that he didn't like what happened he was pissed i think he really was pissed at elon because he had heard he had got, su suffered personal ramifications in his business and if he if he's kind of pissing off the institutional uh, brokers that were pro-Tesla, that's a problem. Okay. Go ahead, Hans. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And so I think, I think that a lot of the things that Elon maybe said were a little bit thoughtless, especially the done selling. Like, that was... There was a question that was posed to him. Are you done selling? And he responded, yes. Now, we don't know in his mind, like, yes, over what time period. Um, but my generous interpretation of the situation is that just like a lot of people have been telling us, getting into Twitter was a crap deal as far as just how much of a mess Twitter is and how hard this is going to be moving forward. Now, for those of us who really, I guess maybe that's the other thing that helps me not to feel too upset by the Twitter debacle is I think it's really, really important that Elon at least try to fix Twitter for the future of humanity. And I give him the benefit of the doubt on that. And I also understand that this thing, I don't think that he expected to have to sell um, and I think he's in a situation now where he feels like he needs the liquidity. He didn't expect to need the liquidity. Now he has to sell. And obviously he can't broadcast that ahead of time because then he'll be prosecuted for insider trading or just get screwed over on his ability to liquidate those shares. Um, but I think that's kind of the price that if we believe that Twitter is important for him to at least try to fix, and it may fail, like it really may fail. Um, but I, I'm hopeful that he's able to succeed. And I guess I'm able to eat a little bit of the pain that I'm experiencing as a Tesla shareholder as just a way to support Elon in this mission that I, I do think is important. And I know a lot of other Tesla shareholders, they don't care about Twitter. They didn't think it was broken. They don't want it to be fixed. And they see that it is a giant shit show 
and it is you know it creates a lot of noise um i think unfortunately that part of this is just the sausage you know how the sausage gets made and then the other thing is that there was a, a clip from the bbc interviews recently where um one of the ladies who was the the nerd whisperer or the nerd the pied piper of the nerds and she was talking about you know i there's a lot of things about Elon that are really tough to deal with, but I wouldn't change it because if you change it, you may mess with the secret recipe that makes him so successful. And I think that maybe it's just good to remember that we have to take the good with the bad. And I like, this is a, a period where a lot of the unfortunate ramifications of Elon's personality are on full display and we're all having to come to grips with that. And the thing is, if we think that ultimately we trust his intentions and we can call him out and say, like, I think you need PR. I think you need to not say thoughtless things whenever they come to mind all the time. Um, please stop X, Y, Z. Like, we should do all those things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I still don't think there's anyone else who can make the sizable dents in the huge humanity scale problems that he can make and um yeah so i think my encouragement then would be for people who really feel screwed over try and give him the benefit of the doubt in intentions but then call him out in a way that is um honest but maybe understanding I think it's the I, th I think it's at the service to Elon and his like leadership teams if if the folks that are part of his company, i.e. the investors, because that's what uh, that's what being a public company means. I think it would be at the service if folks don't voice their true feelings towards what's happening, because I know for a fact the way the guy operates, Elon, is based on feedback, both positive and mm -hmm. negative, and he's been very open about that. And I saw firsthand that that's the secret recipe to success for the company that he runs in Tesla. Okay. That is so incredibly important. The, the amount of negative feedback we would get at that company would almost want to like force you to curl up in a ball and question why you're even alive half the time because you're a failure. Okay. That's, but that's, that's the kind of very honest um, feedback that's required. Go ahead. Dispassionate feedback, right? Not, you're exactly. giving me feedback because you hate me feedback because you like, this is an actual fact. And go. I think, um, you know, one of the things that they were talking about on the all in podcast, I think it was the all in podcast was that Elon kind of is thin skinned when it comes to people making attacks that he feels like are personal attacks or off base attacks. And so I think he's miscategorizing some of the feedback around his actions as not necessarily being rooted in fact and being dispassionate. And so that's what when I'm saying, like we should present that feedback to him about some of the things that he's not seeing. And that's, you know, I think that especially like Alexander needs to keep pressing on the PR thing. Like he needs PR so bad. Um, and we just need to continue to push forward on that, but do it in a way, hopefully that he can hear that's not necessarily also a tied into a personal attack like these actions yeah. are a disservice not elon i hate you you're screwing us over exactly exactly um, I, I was going to say is 
I agree with Hans in respect that this way. I believe he really did intend that the last sales before this round were final. And I believe it appears to me that maybe that's true. And I believe that maybe he, since he got into Twitter, he's determined he needs extra cash to run it. Or the alternative theory I've heard is maybe the lenders are requiring the cash to collateralize whatever loans he has. So the cash is just sitting there, but and it'll be available at some point in time, but he has to have it not available and he needed to um, get sell the shares to do that. And the fact that he sold shares at the bottom, a very rock bottom price, kind of rang out in desperation, really sounded like he had to do it. Because uh, otherwise, why would he do it? Why would you sell at the bottom if you had a choice? But <clears throat> I'm going to take that and put that against kind of things he said. Um, before the last earnings call, he was pushing the stock like crazy, if you recall. And then he promoted the buyback, right? He threw that out also. So on one hand, he's pushing the stock. He's talking about a buyback at the same time he's selling probably more shares than he ultimately would buy back. And there's no doubt that when he's selling like seven or 10 million shares a day, that's putting downward pressure on the stock. And I don't find those two things consistent. You, you can't be talking about buybacks. You can't be encouraging the purchase of stock. I think even he threw in Twitter language like, and I don't remember the exact Twitter language, but I kind of, I got your back. Kind of like stuff like that. He threw out like little nuggets like that. And in the end, to be honest, and and again, I'm long, I'm here. I'm here for the duration, but I'm just trying to be what I, I think. In the end, I think he fucked the short term in the, in the end. Um, that's my opinion. And it made me think, it really taught me a lesson and maybe a, a bigger lesson that in the short term, you can't trust what he says in terms of making your decisions. You have to do your own due diligence, make sure you have, make sure you're comfortable in your decision and leave him out of that. Because ultimately, and this is, and, and this is not bad, but this is ultimately true, but ultimately we all act in our own best interest. Ultimately, we may, you know, do things that help others, but ultimately we're, we're trying to stay alive and we're trying to act in our own best interest. And when he's acting, I don't think it's any different. Um, and I'm, I, I'm sure he's acting in the best of intentions and et cetera. But I think in the short term, no longer am I going to trust what he says. And it's kind of like when I first started investing, I had Chinese EV companies because I really liked the company. But I had to get hit in the face enough times where the government, the Chinese government did something and the stock went down 20%. Happened like five or six times. It made me really uncomfortable. Even though I think those companies are excellent, I just couldn't tolerate it. Um, Tesla, I'm in long term. But if I just started and didn't know anything, I'd probably bail because it's just too much. Uh, chaos for like a, a newcomer in my just the way I, I through my limited learning experience. Yeah, I think I think the sorry, Hans, I wasn't sure if you're going to you good. OK, yeah, I think I think the crazy sort of um, 
think that's starting to develop during this time is that of course Elon and his companies are long term of course that's why i have so much confidence that in say 5 to 10 years time tesla is going to be by far the largest company in the world and it's going to transform everything about how we transport each other it's going to transform what labor means of course i feel that way that otherwise i wouldn't be so freaking passionate about the elon and his companies obviously at the same time i think it's very important to recognize that some of the short-term things that happen with his behavior can very much erode trust in people very much so you know it's you know you i i see my phone every day i you know i get texts wow what a piece of shit like that's that's literally the kind of text i get and i'm being candid here i don't believe he's a piece of shit but that's the kind of text i get and i get it i get it i think and that's part of the Part of the thing I think that's that's missing from this discussion is that all in all, although he's a net positive to mankind and although he's he's a, for, from all intents and pur purposes appears to be a good person and has the right thing in mind for moving his companies forward. And really also, you know, let's not forget the fact that those that invested in Tesla back in 2010, 2012, 2015, 2018 are very well off today. Like they're doing really, really well especially if you put a lot of money in that company. But at the same time, if we're not cognizant of the fact that some of this behavior can be damaging to the brand and to, to an individual, it's a disservice to Elon. It's a disservice to, to ensuring that that feedback doesn't, like that doesn't just get put under the rug and saying, okay, yeah, well, he did it this time. He's not going to do it again. Like that can't be the assumption. There has to be He's built this feedback loop almost with this community. And I think it's it behooves us to ensure that all opinions get heard because there might be a nugget of, of wisdom there for, for him to take and be like, okay, I get why this could could make have a negative impact. It's completely up, up to him if he thinks that's important or not, right? That's a completely different discussion. And I think a lot of people will argue and be like, well, you're just worried about the short term. Who cares? In the long term, you're going to do great. Sure, fine. Cool. But as an individual, I worry about how, you know, some people view him. I worry about sort of his uh, if he keeps going down this route, there's a small chance that, you know, he's not going to be viewed in the way that he would hope to be viewed. Right. So that's the I think that's very important. That's really, really important. And it can't be dismissed. Sorry, Hans. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to agree as far as. Removing the like the logical like you said, I think we're all going to be fine in the long run as far as execution. Like, that's what I'm looking at. The execution of Tesla right now is still exactly where I'm expecting it to be. Nothing's changed there. Um, but more to your point, what we're really talking about ultimately is the brand value of Elon Musk and that the actions that he's undertaken over the past month, a couple months, you know, really i think have eroded his brand value in the eyes of a, not all of but a lot of his most vocal supporters and you know you have to be cognizant of the 80 20 rule that 20 percent of your people are going to give you 80 percent of the positive press or feedback in the marketplace that you want and you know if you're saying hey i'm going to embark on this direction 
and it's going to alienate half of that 20% of people. So now I've only got 10% left. Like that can have a huge impact on the overall positive sentiment that exists in, in the marketplace for you. And so that's, I think what we're wrestling with and maybe having a little bit of a hard time diagnosing and, and understanding why it feels like such a big deal. And I think that's why is because it's a big deal in the brand equity sense. And, um, and yeah, like that's, that has massive long-term implications. Can we just get a little meta here? Sorry. I'm frustrated with all the people who are frustrated. (laughs) Funny. Go ahead, Richard. I'm not frustrated. Um, I would hope that he gets a compensation plan soon. I would feel a lot more comfortable. I was thinking about this. If he had a compensation plan in, in effect starting tomorrow, uh, if the stock price goes to 1,000, he gets 60 billion shares. I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I'm making up the totals. But I'd like to kind of tie him back. I'd like to redirect his attention. And if I make his compensation really Tesla-dependent, that makes me feel better. I still, and, and you know, ultimately, he's got to be super rich to accomplish what he wants to do. If he wants to go to Mars, he's got to have a ton of money. If Tesla is worth 40 bucks a share, he ain't going to Mars. So uh, um, so that's kind of part of it. The other thing I was going to say is um, I think what happens also, and I've experienced this myself, uh, you know, I'm super well-intentioned about something. I act on it. And the response is, whoa, completely unexpected and negative. And it's surprising. And so I believe that Elon is super well-intentioned. But yeah. his, but but sometimes his, his behavior is inappropriate, and that's not a knock on him. That's just an observation. That's just that's just black and white, and exactly. um, it's unfortunate. But sometimes people react when they're you know like Elon believes he's trying to save the planet, so people giving him shit about it. I can understand why that would create some kind of resentment. I'm trying to do this for you. And um, but it may, might not make you receptive to things that you should be receptive to. And I think, I think that's, it, that's going on part of the play. Yeah, I think that he that puts a chip on his shoulder and he actually uses that chip as the fuel and the motivation for him to go forward. Like if you think about um, the 60 Minutes interview, when they talked about people like Buzz Aldrin thinking that his plans for SpaceX were a terrible idea and like. That really hurt him. He's like, I'm never going to stop. And I think that he, like what you're seeing there is him saying all the, all the pushback against me is the fuel that I use to continue to move forward and, and never stop. Um, Sometimes that's a great dynamic to have, especially like when you're trying to go zero to one and get something off the ground that literally is pretty close to impossible you really need that. Um, but that dynamic is not always helpful and constructive. And, you know, sometimes it's Napoleon going into Russia. And I think that's what everyone is afraid of is, are we getting into a point where he's making some strategic blunders that 
are ultimately like he just doesn't understand the full ramifications of his actions and you know you can only do the impossible so many times before it bites you in the butt yeah yeah i was gonna um, say during this twitter i'm sorry sorry just a, just real quick sorry sorry real quick i'm having a crazy storm out there if you lose me keep going i'll come back but there's i don't know what the hell's going on out there go ahead yeah for me it's like during this twitter time what occurred to me and is like in tennis like unforced errors you're you're making mistakes you don't have to make you know if there's if there's like an urgency fine but there's no if so if it ain't broke don't you know don't don't fix it that's the old uh, terminology and twitter to me it looks like and you know and Gary Black was dead on. I mean, he get he gets a lot of crap back for being, you know, like taking a more conservative bullish approach, but he was pretty on Twitter the whole time, his concerns about Twitter. And, but I think he even thought that once the deal con, uh, concluded that the Twitter overhang was done and it appears to have gotten worse. Did you get your shirt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it appears to, to, to get worse. But on the flip side, I'm going to flip it around. So, you know, I worry about the same things that Hans does long term. So is it smart to limit your market? Is it smart to piss off potential customers so they don't buy your product? I don't, you know, I have concerns about that. But on the flip side, we go back to where we started. If the stock price goes to 700, are people going to bitch about this stuff then? Probably not. So we think like right now, because it's a, a crappy time and we're in a a deep hole, we think it's going to be like this forever. But like a year from now, again, we could have like a great run. The deliveries will be great in, let's say, the second quarter of 2023. Cybertruck comes out in the third quarter. We're at 750 and Elon's still acting the same, but we're all jolly. Yeah. Very true. Go ahead, Hans. Yeah. If he is successful with Twitter, like, all this stuff will just be water under the bridge. No one will bring it up. No one will remember. No one will care. And the world will sing his praises. But, and then, you know, the same like Tesla shareholders will go back to not holding anything against him if Tesla stock does a, uh, you know, if we get FSD rollout and full wide release and we're on a solid path to regulatory approval like the implications of that are so freaking massive that when the market gets it it's going to be insane and you know that that kind of thing is the reason that we're invested because there are these just incredibly asymmetric options that are present in the stock and yeah where else are you going to find that I think, but I think that that's part of the equation that makes the dialogue of today um, somewhat difficult for some folks to process because the, in the long term, given Elon's past execution, if what he does becomes reality, none of this fucking matters. It really doesn't. But not everybody has that lens, rightfully so. And and it's not a sure thing that the future is going to happen, you know? And even though different people have different statistics of saying, you know, I feel it's very confident, but does the average Tesla investor feel it's, they're very confident that this is going to come to fruition? You know, like it's that's the important lens here. It's very, very important. It's probably going to happen. 
Look at what he did with Tesla and SpaceX. Mm -hmm. The dude is obviously a a master executioner at making things to be undeniable. Like he is the most, uh, he's the best when it comes to creating things that are undeniable. You just cannot deny their greatness. However, <laughs> however, not not recognizing the path towards that potential insane greatness in the future and just saying just you know you're whining about it you're like you're kind of like you're not really giving this proper thought is not a service to the community it's not a service to the community and i think it's very very important to voice those opinions because they are super valid it, especially especially if for some reason it doesn't pan out then then yeah. then what happens then what's the lesson we missed there it's like wow okay so the worst thing that could have happened from us, you know, having a community that's voicing their real opinions and the, the, everybody's voice is all sort of equal and coming towards it is that we're all wrong and we have an incredible society. Great. Cool. I'm, I, I'm more than willing to accept that. However, what's the, what's the opposite? It's, it can be devastatingly terrible, right? So on balance, I think like that that's that lens is i think important for for us to sort of and i'm not saying you guys specifically anybody in the comments i'm just making commentary here right i think it's that's what's fascinating about this time so you have a dude that can very well execute incredibly well long term and he probably will but boy is it a challenging path for some you know for a lot actually yeah for a lot. i actually kind of have the the one of the frameworks that i've been thinking about this is that you know, if you watch things like the BBC commentary or you read Liftoff, you get a sense of for the people that were really close to Elon Musk, um, it was really, really difficult. And there was a lot of churn. Um, it was tumultuous. And like even Elon, um, his personal actions, like uh, the one of the interns who he thought was responsible for one of the rockets failing because a nut came off and eventually they figured out it was because of corrosion but he thought that it hadn't been put on tight enough and he said so publicly and that intern said you know what i'm out like could be even afterwards elon found out that, that was not the case but he would not say i was wrong about that and that person was like you know what forget it and then his boss also shortly after left the company you know he had better feelings towards the company than the intern did um but those types of things like they just chip away at people and i think this is one of the reasons why there's so much churn in the upper echelons of tesla management is just because it's really really difficult um to put up with a lot of the things that are the way that Elon Musk operates that, you know, they produce amazing results, but the closer you are to that, the harder it is to deal with it. And then, so all that said, I think that what he's embarking on with Twitter brings all of us because it's so public. I think it brings us all in a little bit closer to that chaos you got that it. we've been insulated from before. And Bingo. so now we're experiencing some of, you know, a smaller taste of the exact types of things that have sent a lot of people away from Tesla. They're just, you know, I, I just don't think I can deal with this anymore. And so, uh, you know, I don't know what everyone does with that, but that's one of the, I guess, the realizations that I've had walking through this whole journey 
And, you know, maybe that's the reason like I, it's, it's only a small exposure to that. Like I still don't have to sleep on the factory floor and have no family life and get yelled at and be super stressed. Like I just have to make sure that my risk exposure is something that I'm comfortable with and that I'm keeping a razor's eye on the performance, like the fundamental performance of Tesla, the company and let everything else not necessarily bothered me as much. Yeah. I've, I've been, I've been itchy here. Um, <laughs> uh, so I haven't traded as long as you guys. So, and I've like done some ridiculously stupid stuff. And I know we all did. Um, you know, I'd, I'd watch a stock go from like four to 12,000 and wait for it to go to 30,000 and not take profit. And it would go down to four. And so, you know, but after that happened, I learned not to do that, do that again. But, you know, especially after uh, COVID, because there, were, there was a lot of money available, there was a huge number of new people in the stock market. And they, they entered in a, uh, a, a 1918 equivalent time period. And then during an economic period, that's probably unique. And their experience, their entire experience is a shit show. I think, um, um, Farzad, I remember, I think you made a, a, a video I saw about your first bear market. Well, mm -hmm. their introduction is a 100-year yeah. bear market. And so it probably doesn't make a difference, you know, in reality, what stock you were in. If you were at Shopify, in Shopify when it was at, you know, 1,000 or whatever, and now it's at 300, and that was your first entree into the market, that would really create a lot of despair and would probably encourage you to put your money elsewhere. And you know, for a lot of people, that's all the money they have. That's it. So, you know, and it it's not, it may not have been prudent to do, but it happened. And they suffer the ramifications. And then when they believe on top of that that someone is not looking out for their interests, that really makes them pissed off. That's a great point. And they're less likely to come back. They're less likely to less likely to support you. And you know, over the last month, I have heard the term Tesla a lot less than Elon or Twitter. And I really bought into Tesla, and I believe in the in the dream of Tesla. Uh, Twitter is fine, but when I bought into Tesla, uh, Elon did not own Twitter. I'd understand the difference, you know, if you're buying in now and he owns Twitter, like, you know, you buy stock today, you're buying into the situation today, fine. You know, you, you take it as it as it comes. But before, you know, um, there was nothing negative about Tesla and now there are issues. So There were a lot of negative things about Tesla, though, in, in all earnestness, like back in 2016, 2017, 2018. I mean, that it, if you thought it was bad now, boy, was it a freaking disaster then, you know. But I do think in the, in the near term, like, say, since 2020, since the sort of COVID uh, bull market or whatever the hell you want to call that time period, the craziness of the whatever the fuck happened, um, it uh, that, that that tone shift was new from what I experienced, you know, it was the positive Tesla tone, the positive Elon tone was like, if, if I put my Tesla historian hat on, it was somewhere between, you know, call it 20, 
from when he came to prominence from 2012 to about 2014, it was kind of like this darling success story. Wow. The future looks amazing. And then he started getting a lot of positive notoriety. And then for whatever reason, you know, there's a lot of speculation as to why this was the case. Disruption, old companies, you know, news articles, whatever people out to get him. whatever the reason is 2014 to 2019 Tesla was um, dragged through the mud everywhere that I saw everywhere that I saw yet they still survived. So that was that was a very encouraging. And then for the last year or two, it's been sort of this, uh, again, this, uh, it was positive, positive. And then recently, since really he took on Twitter and some of the stuff that's been happening with Elon being more opinionated and stuff, which he has every right to do, um, it's sort of the tone is shifting, but it's not as dramatic as I saw it before. So so what I expect to happen, if, if I'm like thinking through this, I, I I feel like this could be the perfect time for Elon to really to really allow the leadership team at Tesla to shine as bright as as they as they should and like I am totally for Elon focusing 100% not 100% on Twitter but like but like putting as much energy as he possibly can behind Twitter to make it into the thing he wants to make it and then let the 100,000 plus people you've hired at Tesla to that do an incredible job let them carry the company forward, be involved in the sort of like design engineering stuff, the future products and stuff. Let the CEO role go. Have somebody kind of, you know, naturally rise from the from the from the from the staff and then focus your energies on the things that you want to do. And that way, Tesla develops its own image. Tesla becomes it's sort of like, you know, it's kind of grown up. It's the bird now that can fly away from the nest. You have insane amounts of talent. Let it take off be there in a, in a sense of continuing to move the f- future forward, but remove yourself from the CEO role and the duties there. And then focus on Twitter, which I believe, honestly, and this is something I've been playing with in the last 24 hours, I believe Twitter is more important than Tesla for, for, for humanity's long-term success. And it's, and I can, I mean, I don't want to segment this away, but, but that's another thing here too, you know? Um, anyway, I don't know if I took this a crazy way, but uh, I'll shut up here and I was going to say uh, um, <laughs> that may be the case. I don't know. Uh, Gary Black seemed to think that if Elon stepped down as CEO of Tesla, it would be a huge negative uh, for institutional investors. And again, uh, he's been a good source of, I think, information from a not a negative uh, point of view. And so I'm going to trust him on that. But I would like, but I, but on the flip side, and I think as opposed to that, I would like Elon to name Joe Blow as his successor. I'm going to groom him for the next five years. I'm going to teach him how to run the business. Then I'm going to step aside. I'll be chairman of the board or whatever, and I'll uh, be in charge of product uh, development or whatever. But I think that would be a positive. But stepping aside just kind of without having anybody kind of feeling what he wants and that's knowing fair. his direction, I think would be a negative like that. So that's fair. No, that's fair. I nominate Andre Karpathy. Like I was thinking about this, that you know, the ultimate future of Tesla probably lies in AI. And I know that Andre loves the technical issues 
and I know that he's not going to want to do that role. Like that's why he left was because he didn't want to have to be that guy. Um, but I think he absolutely can be that guy. And I think that hopefully like if Tesla really starts playing the role within the AGI space that it can, um, I think Andre might be, he might realize that he has a responsibility to step into that, that even though he doesn't necessarily want to, he might rise to the occasion. I think, go ahead, Richard. I was going to say, I, I heard his Lex Friedman uh, interview. I understood like 4% of it. Uh, but the part that I did understand is he, it sounded like he didn't like to manage. Yeah. That was like something he didn't like to do. But I could see him coming to Tesla, uh, occupying the role of chief uh, AI officer, a new role, and be in charge of that whole division and running a division at, uh, you know, at, as he chose, something like that. Well, the way that I would see that evolving is that he would come back to work on bot. He would end up making large contributions to AGI, and then it would get to this point where he realized the importance of it and wouldn't be able to walk away and would end up having to basically rise to the occasion. I, um, I don't think that he would be a good fit for that role because it, unless you want to do it don't do it like it, it's it has to be part of your core it has to be part of your like your but elon doesn't want to do it i think he does in a way he says he does i i feel like part of him so this is this is where i go back and forth because he doesn't want to do it but he feel like he feels like he has to which means in some way he wants to do it, right? Whereas Karpathy, like, of course, he's a brilliant engineer and he's extremely good at what he does. If you outright come out before even taking the role and says, I don't like to manage, like, I, I don't have high hopes that, um, it's not, not even high hopes is the right word. I just don't, like, for his own sake, he knows that he's not going to be great in that role because unless your entire soul is in that, you're not going to be effective, especially as measure to somebody like Elon who's going to have a generational impact on that role. And this is really the, imp the impossible mission here is that is not, it's like the conundrum here is that the dude is so freaking good at what he does that whoever steps into his role is going to be worse. And that's something where we have to be willing to accept because yeah. Elon's not going to be around forever. Right? So the, the, the thought process becomes who's the one that's most likely to execute the future of Tesla in the best possible manner possible that is respectful of Elon's capabilities, you know, and I'm not saying this happens in the next year. I'm not, I'm not saying this happens in the next five years, even to Richard's point, like this needs to be a prolonged thing, but it's obvious that with, with him taking on Twitter, that even though it might be a, sh like say, even though he might take a CEO and plop him in at, at the role of Twitter, he's going to be involved in Twitter. Cause obviously this is something that's very important to him. I mean, he's selling shares to ensure that the company survives. To me, it seems like it's very important to him. And it, I don't think it's something that he does very half-assedly, right? There's going to be timeshare away from him. Um, but again, what I go back to is like, if Tesla has all this talent, 
this is the perfect time. Like the, the company is going to be making incredible amounts of money here in the next two to five years, regardless of who's at the head. And that's just facts. Like it, it's all a question of what are the future products going to be, right? It's going to make 50 billion a year, a hundred billion dollars a year of cash flow, regardless of who's at the helm right now, especially if Elon's involved in some, in some, uh, in some way, it's about 10 years down the road. It's about 20 years down the road. This is the perfect time to start that process. Um, and him taking on Twitter could be that catalyst. It might be like, this is the Elon way of saying like, Hey, look at me, my attention's away. Who's going to fucking rise up. Who's got this. Who's got this bro. Like who here in Tesla has this like, yeah, Zach, you're amazing. You know, uh, everybody else in the, on the, on the executive staff is amazing, but okay. Now my attention is away. We're going to 20 million cars a year. It would be lovely if somebody can step up and like do what I do <laughs> so that I can go do the things I love or do the things that I feel like are most important. Right. I wonder if how much of that dynamic is also part of his thought process behind um, acquiring Twitter when he did. Who would your top candidates be like if you had to list? How does someone come in and fill those shoes and who who is it? And if you can't think of a who, then what are their like without a name? Like what? This would is going to be an unpopular opinion. This is going to be an unpopular. I think Zach. I think Zach, based on on the on the on the state of the company now, mainly because so full, full cook. But but the dynamic could be different with as long as Elon is still part of the company in design and engineering. Like it's like ideally, I want like a SpaceX type dy dynamic. Right. But but what's undeniable is that in the next five to 10 years, Tesla's cash flow is going to be completely and utterly bananas. It's going to be just dumb. And I think and I think that's something that's important to keep in mind is Tesla's going to make so much fucking money. It's going to be insane. It's going to be completely ridiculous. So in my head, I'm like, OK, so if we're going towards a space where Elon is now crafting Twitter to be this everything app. That's going to enable folks to make money through that app. And this is sort of where my long-term vision of Twitter is starting to like crystallize in my head and how it's like a, it's a, it's okay. Should I get into this? Cause this is going to, this is going to be sound weird. Like I want to make sure you guys have voice your opinions about Elon and he's making a mistake. You know, if he's making a mistake, he's not making a mistake. If there's anything else on that topic, let me know. Cause I'm about to go a completely different direction here. <laughs> before you go, before you go, I'm going to use, this is my psychological profile. It's worth zero. I was a psych major at UCLA about 140 years ago. So it's based upon my recollection of that. Um, but I always believe Elon, um, it's it's not a human job. What he did was not a human job. So there's very few people on earth that one would do it and two were capable of doing it. Um, it's like my son. I have a son that works at a big law firm in New York who's much smarter than I. And I would never do his job. I'd have no interest in doing it. And I think most people would not do it. And so I wonder when I hear about Elon sleeping on the floor, et cetera, one, my question to to you, Farzad, was whether you think you need someone who's capable of putting in that same effort in the future. But my question was, somebody who acts like that, to me, sounds like they're trying to punish themselves. Yeah. And, you know, because that's not, why would anybody subject themselves to that inhuman treatment? That, to me, 
it it's reflecting a psychological state which I is think it's just too, it's too important it's too important in his yeah. head right i think yeah that hunts I agree with both of you. Like, I think it is too important in his head. He believes like it's worth the sacrifice. Um, but I also think that you don't subject yourself to that amount of pain, even for something that you believe is important. If there's also part of you that doesn't believe that you deserve it. Huh? So you think that is like, like, are we talking trauma of some sort here? Like, is that kind of what, where you're going? I mean, so, uh, I'll echo, like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm not a psychological professional. Oh, I thought you knew everything, bro. Come um, on. Yep. <laughs> I, I am a foster father, and we have to do a lot of, we're exposed to a lot of trauma. And I can tell you that the uh, emotional and physical abuse that he and his family suffered purportedly at the hands of his father, like, you don't just, like, undo that. And, you know, it, it's it's hard to say how someone who is on the spectrum processes that in the long term, because it is different than for people who are neurotypical. Um, but, yeah, like I. He may not think that he's a masochist, but it sure seems like. He's OK with a much higher level of pain than most people. And yeah, it's insane. It's like it's legit. I mean, it's it's part of the reason why I think he has so much respect from so many because it's like I'll, I think a lot of us view us, you know, the view view like, wow, like what a role model for like busting your ass to make stuff happen. Um, like at the limit, you know, he always talks about doing things at the limit. I think he's operating as a human being at the limit, <laughs> you know, uh, especially within the context of getting stuff done. But um yeah, it's it's the psychology of it is fascinating. Go ahead, uh, Borghan. I, I, I yeah, I was gonna say I. So I've noticed, and uh, you know, I've noticed his interpersonal his relationship with his mother, and I noticed like the deafening absence of his father. Not just like his father died or something, whatever. It was the complete absence of, which is much stronger than you know than that. So yeah, I think he was traumatized, and. Um, uh, like a lot of people, you know, it, people act different after trauma. Some end up being super successful. Some end up being alcoholics, drug addicts. You know, it's all over the uh, all over the place. But the but in my opinion, the fact that he would subject himself, and my parents, you know, went to concentration camps, so I'm familiar with the mistreatment of people. My parents were certainly much more familiar with it than me. People usually don't do that unless they're responding to something internal, not external. They've internalized it somehow, and that's how it's showing itself. And it's a sad, it's a sad thing. That's why I feel real sympathy. You know, I'm pissed at Elon, but I also feel huge sympathy for him and empathy that, you know, he's had a difficult go. He's obviously having a difficult time now. He probably doesn't have enough um, advisors that help him out, really. And um, so I'm sympathetic to him. I, you know, I've, I'm all over the place. That's a, that's that creates the more of a chaotic feel on my own part. I'm not just pissed. I'm here for the long ride, but I am sympathetic to his path, how he got here. Yeah. Shout out to May Musk. That's where it really comes down to. Like, I, I don't think that woman gets enough credit. Like, you think about the the three kids she's raised. Like, like, you know. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Damn. 
for real. Absolutely nuts. Go ahead, Hans. Before no, I just start agreeing 100%. Yeah. To a weird place. Okay. All right. Ready to go to a weird place? All right. Here we go. So, um, by the way, thank you all very much in the comment section so far. We're uh, an hour in and it feels like I've, we've only been here for like 15 minutes because this the discussion has been so, um, I think uh, for me, it's been very um, valuable to hear y'all's opinions and really thinking through it. So I appreciate everybody in the chat. Thank you, everybody, for keeping it respectful. Thank you very much, Mods, for uh, keeping the conversation nice and clean. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, so uh, the question arose around, okay, so who who would you put in place at, at Tesla if, uh, you know, if it makes sense for Elon to sort of step away and go into the next thing? Um, so here's the way I'm thinking about it. So Elon is obviously a long-term kind of guy, like 20 years down the road. You know, like this guy has a has a lens that is quite far <laughs> visualizing or whatever, however you want to say that. So um, the important thing here to keep in mind is that Tesla's success long term, I think, in Elon's head is probably um, he's acting in a way as if it's going to be completed. Right. Even though he might outwardly say, hey, this is going to be a very hard thing to do. It's going to be something that is going to require a lot of effort. That's true. But the assumption is, is that the goals he's setting forth for the company are correct. So full self-driving will come to fruition. The bot will come to fruition. These are two gigantic levers that not only unlock stupid amounts of value for the company, but they also act in a way to um, automate work. It automates work. That's really the what, what's happening here. And that's why you have so much value created. FSD automates all transportation and the bot automates all human labor. Okay. So for, I think the reason why Elon views Twitter to be so important is because I think Twitter is going to become a way for people to fill the gap of the earnings that they would lose from having those kinds of jobs and instead having a place, a marketplace where they can make money. And sort of the the reason why that I'm thinking about it that way is like, okay, so once full self-driving goes live next year or 2024, it's going to allow fleet operators to take a cut of every single ride that happens. And then that's how you build a business. That's how you make money. You're automating away a job, but you're making money. The bot is pretty self-explanatory. Okay. So for Twitter's long-term success, it, it needs to have a capability that's very similar to YouTube, where the creator is able to make money through that platform in some way, shape, or form. And it is not just going to be, I think, a freedom of speech platform. It's not just going to be a place where, you know, I, I put out a tweet that said, if, if, Elon, is, um, if Elon and the Twitter team are um, figure out how to uh, make a diversity of thought more profitable than tribalism, then they're going to be successful in their sort of freedom of speech goals. And Elon said, indeed. So that sort of started getting my brain going. Okay, so it's about making the platform as profitable as possible, not just for advertisers, but for the individual. Because you think about creators that are going to be on there. So I think that's going to be expanded. So what I believe is happening here is that we're starting to see sort of the development of the everything app that's really going to be the everything app. And it's going to allow folks to 
capitalize on the next generation of the economy 10 to 20 years down the road. And I believe that's why he's gone into this truly, truly. Because on one side, you're going to have a company that's going to be displacing work. And then on the other side, you're going to have a company that's going to be generating income for all the individuals that want to leverage the platform, right? And so when I think about his actions, I'm starting to view it through that lens. And so if that's the case, then does it, I, that's why I feel like Twitter's likely more important than Tesla at this point, because Tesla has, one could argue it has achieved its goal. So the, the, the mission statement of the company 10 years ago was to advance the, the advent of sustainable transport. I think that's been achieved. You know, it's, it's definitely advancing the advent. Is it complete there? No. But the momentum, the, I think the chasm has been breached. The chasm has been breached. So now it becomes a question of how far, how big of a dominant player is Tesla going to be in that respect? Uh, it's all really within the context of if you're able to sort of outsource your idea and your the way you manage the company in the best way possible to your leadership, they'll be able to do that long term. But then in the case of Twitter, you need to build that platform that allows people to survive in that sort of world of full automation and robots everywhere and full self-driving cars everywhere. Um, yeah. And so I think I think getting Tesla to a point where it can exist without Elon is very important because his focus is going to be shifted on the other side now. What do you guys think about my fucking crazy idea? You can make fun of me. It's okay, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I... I think that a lot of what you're saying is reasonable. Like, I'm just still trying to, there's so many what ifs and how all this is going to go down. I think that's the idea. Um, I definitely think the less that people have to work, like how do we get meaning in life? And this is definitely kind of playing in that space. I think that inner, you know, it will involve the internet and it'll involve people providing meaningful experiences to other people. Um, and so I think that Twitter definitely has a potential to operate in that space. Um, but I also think it has a lot to do with governance and information flow and, you know, the stability of society and governments um and i think all of that probably plays into it okay Borghan, what do you think i was gonna say so were you like talking in part about like having a in essence somewhat of a patreon on uh twitter everything everything so it's like an uber a Airbnb, a content creator tool, a place where, you know, because the thought process here is once the bot comes around and full self-driving is in full swing, the thing that I always would hear is like, well, the economy, the invisible hand will take over. Like the economy will take care of it. Okay, cool. But how? Like this is where I was getting so frustrated. I'm like, how? How do you do it? Like, cool. But I need to see how. I think having a platform to connect human beings is the best way to do commerce. So from that perspective, if you're able to build out that platform where human beings 
literally share information and data and services and products with each other, you can do anything. You can do anything. And so long term, the development of that um, offsetting the negative impacts of automating transportation and human physical labor with the bot is going to be incredibly important because I'm not so sure that somebody outside of uh, sort of Elon Musk's ilk will do that for humanity. Instead, it's I think it will tend towards greed and it will tend towards the um, the hoarding of those resources for self instead of maximizing the capability for the human um for human innovation and human capability to come forward and i think that's where twitter fits long term and it makes gives me a little bit of comfort because it's in the hands of somebody that i truly believe has humanity's best intention in mind um it doesn't discount the the short term craziness that's happening here obviously but if i'm trying to like view it through the lens of okay why is this so freaking important to him like why is he why is this so important to him i think long term that could be the lens i think it would be i think it would be very harmful to have tesla just be the um the remover of human labor company unless he's tied to something that is also enabling people to make money because that could lead to a very bad outcome i believe and the other lens that, you know, I fully agree with that a lot of people have brought up is, you know, almost everything that he does points towards how do we set up a sustainable colony on Mars. And there's a lot of rethinking that we need to do about, you know, how do we architect governmental systems and social structures in a digitally native way. Um, and Twitter's an opportunity to do all of that. And so, yeah, like, I think it's, it's all of that together. I was going to say, you know, from a practical standpoint, this at least what occurred to me was there's a clock, there's a running clock, right? So Elon's 52. If you really believe he's wants to go to Mars, if you, if, if that's what your belief is, then there must be an age by which he has to, he won't be. He'll be too old at some point in time to be able to tolerate that trip. Maybe I'm incorrect, but I, that's my speculation. So he may only have like another 15 years on Earth, speculating. That would make him about 70 approximately. And so he may not have time for like a ton of new projects, really. Tesla, we're looking, you know, we talk about 2030. That's he's 60 by then. So that's 10 more years after that. Uh, whatever new products go out beyond that, um, it'll go fast. Maybe when he's on Mars, he can continue to work on Twitter. He can continue to operate Tesla. Maybe. I mean, that's possible. I, I don't know. Um, but it. But there is a time limit. There is a clock. Okay. So I mean, so do, do, does that mean that you don't think he's got enough time to do these things? Then is that is that how you're viewing it? Yeah. If, if um, or he, he's going to have to change his priorities. If at some point in time he's working on something that he finds more important than going to Mars, then he'll. I assume that's he would work on that new project. Um, mm -hmm. But at this point in time, it appears that seems to be his end goal, and that will have physical limitations, notwithstanding whatever he'd like to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And he has also talked about, you know, not being a huge fan of all the longevity and uh, live forever stuff. So, you know, I think he's definitely operating within that context that he's part of his urgency is the fact that he's not expecting to, you know, live until he's 150 or 200 or whatever. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure this will be popular in the comments, by the way, but I would vote for Farzad to replace Elon at Tesla. <laughs> yeah. That's my, that's my pick. That's my sure. pick. Death wish. Thanks. <laughs> now I see how you feel about me. Uh, um, I, I don't want to stretch this one too long because the first hour was very intense conversation. And I know um, I want to make sure our, our brains are as fresh as humanly possible for the rest of the day. Did you guys want to hit any topics here um, before we uh, we wrap this sucker up? How are you guys feeling? Is there anything that you felt was left unsaid that we need to tackle um, specifically on, on the topic of Elon and you know, making a mistake. You know, we've talked a lot about that in the first hour and there's been really good conversation in the comments, but is there something along those lines that we think is going to be valuable for the people viewing? I would highly recommend everyone go to Connecting the Dots YouTube channel Let me show and this. watch um, the recent series that he's been putting out on AI Day. But the, the second video, which I think just released yesterday or the day before it's recent, um, towards the end of it, they had a section where the CTO that he's referencing throughout that series really analyzed risks ahead for Tesla. And it was the best articulated um, and most realistic and I feel like fair assessment of the risks that Tesla's going to face. And she really was trying to highlight how governments are a huge risk moving forward and the fact that Elon doesn't seem to be fully appreciating how big of a risk factor that is and is kind of operating in a way right now where he's creating more ill will in that sector than positive. Um, and so, you know, the risk is the government, but Elon's behavior is kind of contributing to the size of the risk. Um, so yeah, I would just recommend everyone go watch that. It was excellent. And um, listen to it, digest it, internalize it, and see how you feel about those risks based on whatever your investment journey looks like personally. I, I listed a link to that video in the comment section as well. So thank you all. Real quick, I wanna, I wanna, uh, I put a poll up where uh, I asked, uh, "Are you frustrated with Elon Musk?" Six hundred and six votes, fifty percent yes, fifty percent no. Just to give you an idea of the quote unquote division the around this topic. Yep. Yeah. One one quickie, I, uh, just that everybody like we're all kind of in the same boat. It's all difficult. Everybody's having a difficult time. If you're feeling bad, express your feelings, really express it so you don't like get super depressed. And if you're feeling self-destructive, seek professional help, really, because people can get really overwhelmed sure. and it can sneak up on you. Don't feel embarrassed. Take care of yourself. And uh, that's that's the bottom line. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. And I think that's uh, that's a very important point. I think the I said this at the beginning, but as a community, we really should be welcoming of all viewpoints. However, it may be uh, tough for us to hear, especially with somebody of. Elon's stature or how important Tesla is to the world. 
Like, yes, these are extremely grand, very amazing things. But if folks in the community feel like they can't voice their frustrations properly and then don't have a way for bounce around those ideas, it's a giant disservice to our community. And, you know, we call ourselves a Tesla community. Like we, we're not a community if we're not willing to have discourse around these difficult topics, regardless, regardless of how uh, difficult they may be and, and how maybe personally impacted you are because you've, you personally have invested yourself into the, into the, the, the person and the story and the company. Uh, this is the best way to test and make sure that your conviction is placed correctly that it's aligned with your goals as a human being and that if there are any flaws or things that are incorrect with how you're thinking about something, they get exposed so you can address them. This is ultimately, I believe, the best way to grow <laughs> and to be better over time. And it's a disservice, not just to Elon, not just to company, but to ourselves to shy away from those conversations. And I encourage everybody to... Uh, and I and I challenge myself to do better in this regard, and because uh, ultimately I think that's how you truly um, we make each other better, we make the company better, we make Elon better, and in the end, I think it's a very important skill set in the type of world that we live in right now and large. You, not even the Tesla thing. You think about the internet and everything that's happening right now. This is how division happens. You know, like. You look at the division in the political world. Like I can see division in the Tesla community. Like it's, I it's a very human thing. But the missing, I think the missing thing is like we need to be willing to have those conversations openly and respect each other, not be dismissive. Of course, disagree if you feel like you disagree. But ultimately, that's the most important thing is that we all see each other as human beings that are trying to make sense of this craziness, and uh, we should be there for each other as human beings first. So, uh, with that, I'll end it. Thank you so much. Orkhan, thank you, Hans. Thank you, everybody, in the comments section. Really appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Uh, we'll see you again on Monday. And uh, have a good weekend. Enjoy your time. Thank you, Hans. Thank you, Borkhan. Seriously, uh, this was a pleasure, and we should do it more often. I think these uh, candid conversations are very important. Thank you both. Um, thank you, everybody.